Money Matters Wealthy Thinking with Alfred Edmund Jr. Welcome to Money Matters Wealthy Thinking. I'm your host, Alfred Edmund Jr. It's about to get real up in here because in this podcast, I just might be getting all up in your business to tell you some things you may not want to hear, but you need to hear to protect your career, your business, and your finances. For this edition of Money Matters Wealthy Thinking, I'll be sharing how, if you're not careful, the love of your life could be the death of your business. Come to think of it, maybe you should listen by yourself first before sharing this edition of Money Matters Wealthy Thinking with your significant other. I'm just saying. Plus, you'll also hear the third installment of my conversation with one of the top personal finance educators in America. And in my book, the number one champion of getting rid of debt. Lynette Calfani Cox. This highly sought after speaker and media expert is the author of several must read books, including the best selling classic, now in its third edition, Zero Debt. She's known as the Money Coach, and she shares more about how we, especially African Americans, are literally dying from debt. But first, so there's the owner of a popular restaurant who is struggling with cash flow issues. He's behind on payments to his suppliers and has maxed out his line of credit. Is the problem rising food prices? A sudden loss of customers due to the new eatery across the street? Maybe expensive upgrades necessary to satisfy health inspectors? The truth is none of the above. This restaurant owner has been draining cash from operations to finance a relationship with his gorgeous new girlfriend, who he calls the love of his life but she has an insatiable appetite for the finer things in a luxury lifestyle. What Bay wants, Bay gets, until she gets it all and moves on to the next baller. Or how about that highly regarded young CEO of a booming boutique event planning business? Her gift for sales and reputation as a focused and detail-oriented innovator are her firm's primary assets. She is that business's rainmaker. However, Lately, she's been off her game, preoccupied, and it's resulting in the loss of her biggest client, which in turn forces her to lay off a third of her employees. When she's asked, she insists that she is just fine. But the truth? Both she and her business are suffering from the strain of hiding her secret. She is a victim of ongoing intimate partner abuse. These are just a couple of the hundreds of scenarios I've been privy to as a veteran business and financial journalist, with more than three decades covering many of America's most successful and influential entrepreneurs. I've changed some of the details to protect the identities of people I respect and whose trust I value. These are also the types of situations that my wife and business partner, Zara Green, and I help clients recover from and avoid and our Grown Zone relationship education practice at GrownZone.com. Through these experiences, I've learned that there is a direct correlation between our business, career, and financial success and our ability to make healthy relationship choices, especially in pursuit of love, sex, and marriage, not necessarily in that order. I've addressed the subject of how poor relationship choices by entrepreneurs can put their businesses at risk on radio and television shows, including 
MSNBC's Your Business with host J.J. Ramberg. Entrepreneurs, including highly successful ones, fall in love just like everybody else. And many risk all, including access to their business assets, as well as their personal finances, by blindly and prematurely trusting those they become emotionally or sexually involved with. Among the costly actions engaged in by romantic interests or the business people desperate to please them are relationships that become sexual harassment suits when they end poorly, conflicts of interest or compromised judgment that negatively impacts business performance, illicit affairs that put a business and other assets at risk in a divorce action, embezzlement or misuse of company resources, Identity theft, financial manipulation and financial infidelity, and even criminal behavior, including larceny, extortion, insurance fraud, and yes, murder. Here's the scariest part. Most of these things will go unreported. Why? Because the victims are either too embarrassed to admit that they were taken advantage of, or they blame themselves for being foolish and gullible. In any case, they rather take their losses and forget the whole thing than diminish their images and reputations as smart business people. Others, including business partners and employees, who might know the real story, may keep it to themselves for fear of violating the privacy or provoking the anger and retaliation of one or more of those involved in the relationship. So, while we in the media might report on the consequences of poor relationship choices made by business people, a sudden forced resignation, a scandal followed by a quiet yet costly settlement, a string of poor sales quarters, etc., we often can't or won't confirm and report on the relationship choices that are the underlying causes of these outcomes. So what's my bottom line? As business professionals and entrepreneurs achieve greater levels of success, status, and wealth, they must never forget the first rule of healthy relationships— Protect yourself at all times. Withhold access to your body, your money, your home, and your heart until you have done your due diligence and are clear about exactly who a person is, not just what they say they are or what they may be, gorgeous, sexy, charming, and seemingly crazy about you. Falling so-called in love or otherwise feeling an intense attraction to a person, while common, and maybe even inevitable, is not the same thing as knowing that person. Too many careers, businesses, fortunes, and even lives are lost because people forget that relationship decisions, especially sex, cohabitation, procreation, and marriage, have financial and legal implications as well as emotional ones, until it's too late and the damage is done. You're listening to Money Matters Wealthy Thinking. I'm Alfred Edmund Jr. We'll be back in a moment. Support for Money Matters Wealthy Thinking and the following message come from State Farm, who knows that many Americans struggle with their finances and most have never been taught how to manage them. Starting today, State Farm wants to change that by giving people the tools, help, and education they need to take control of their money, putting financial well-being within the reach of everyone. Now, you can find out more at letstarttoday.com. State Farm, here to help life go right. 
And now let's hear part three of my frankly alarming conversation with the money coach Lynette Kalfani Cox about the deadly consequences of carrying more debt than we can handle. One of the top five personal financial educators in America, and in my book, the number one champion of getting rid of debt, Kalfani Cox is a former financial news journalist who now teaches individuals nationwide how to better manage their finances and has appeared on hundreds of TV programs, including Oprah, The Talk, Dr. Oz, The Steve Harvey Show, The Today Show, and more. This highly sought-after speaker and media expert is also a New York Times bestselling author of several must-read books, including the classic Zero Debt, now in its third edition. Kalfani Cox gives us a real wake-up call about the high price we pay with our health and even our lives when we are overburdened with debt. Pay attention for acts of financial abuse or financial violence and dating because that could be a red flag for you not to continue that relationship because it could get worse. You know, for your listeners who may not be aware of the context and what we're talking about, I define financial abuse as follows. Financial abuse happens in a relationship anytime someone you know, trust, or love takes economic advantage of you. So it could be through, you know, taking money out of your account, controlling the money in a way that is saying, nope, I alone make the decisions. It could be through, quote, unquote, putting you on an allowance (laughs) that you have not agreed to, (laughs) insisting that, no, you are not allowed to work, you know, or to generate an income. All those things, you know, financially abusive relationships, and they're fairly widespread, but wow, I had no idea about the very strong link, that sort of one-to-one ratio and connection between financial abuse and ultimately potential physical abuse in a, in a relationship because, you know, a lot of us, we don't see those kind of warning signs. In general, if you talk to people up front before they've been the victims of abuse in a relationship, so often women in particular will say, oh, if somebody hit me or if they did something bad to me, I wouldn't take it. If he was, you know, emotionally battering me, demeaning me, calling me names, you know, subjecting me to ridicule, I wouldn't take it. I, I would break up and be out of the relationship. But we know that a lot of that is just talk. <laughs> and right, once right. people are actually in it, they feel compelled to stay for a whole host of reasons. You know, they think it's going to get better. The person apologize. It could be a whole host of things. But at the end of the day, talk about a red flag um, to understand that financial abuse is one of those early warning signals. It's an alert to which you should pay very close attention. Let me highlight two other ways in which debt is killing us. One is on the depression front. There are a number of studies that show that credit card debt in particular is uh, statistically linked to depression. And it's more pronounced and more visible uh, and more prevalent among individuals without college degrees, among single people, and in those who are approaching retirement. Um, That's according to a study in the Journal of Family and Economic Issues. So it's kind of, when I read this study, I was like, let me drill down here and, you know, and see, I was like, okay, well, what about if debt is more likely to make you depressed? What about having a mortgage? What about student loans? And sure enough, they answered that um, question in this study. They essentially said that People don't have depression to the same extent, or at all in some cases, 
when they have a mortgage or a student loan versus they have when they have credit card debt. And the authors didn't really cite a reason why, but I, I'll gather, you know, based on my knowledge, again, the last 20-plus years, and, and offer or hazard a hunch as to why this might be, you know, one is that so many people are taught that mortgage debt and student loan debt are, quote-unquote, good debt, and that people are doing um, borrowing or taking out loans in order to finance the purchase of a house or to finance a college education with the idea that they're investing, so to speak, that they're um, setting themselves up for a better lifestyle or quality of life down the road. So and from an aspirational standpoint, especially in the African-American community, we know that a lot of folks are chasing that American dream, right? And part yes. of it is, oh, I want to be a homeowner or I want to have a degree. And so it could be that those forms of debt are not as strongly correlated or statistically linked to depression because people see the positive outcome that's potential there. Credit card debt, though, is a whole other beast. And that <laughs> we know that credit card debt is, quote, unquote, bad debt. And so people who are mired in debt get more depressed. And then guess what? They have higher rates of suicide, you know, more negative self-sabotaging and unhealthy behaviors, whether it's drinking more, kind of self-medicating in various ways. So, again, this is something that's killing us, you know. The debt is making you depressed, which in turn is leading, you know, to higher um, mortality rates. And you're talking about the self-medication part, compulsive spending, which creates more debt, which really creates a vicious cycle. When I do workshops, I often tell people, rule number one, if you want to get out of debt, is you got to stop digging. You know, and I compare, I give this analogy, and I said, if you just, you know, some, you know, misfortune of fate found yourself in a, in a quicksand pit, are you going to quick, 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 and just like scurry about and move, wave your arms in, in, in the sand pit? No, because you know that the more you do that, the deeper you're just going to continue to sink. And so it's the same concept for when people who are already in debt self-medicate or give themselves retail therapy by going out there shopping, and really all they're doing is compounding the problem. They're just adding to their debt woes and making it so much more difficult down the road when they do try to become debt-free. One other way, the fifth way in which people are killing themselves with debt is on the career front. So many people are like, huh, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. <laughs> you know, they right, have right. passion for their job. They, you know, they don't like their boss. They can't stand their coworkers. They feel the pay is uh, underwhelming, to say the least. They don't feel recognized or appreciated in the workforce but they still continue in these sometimes low-paying, it could even be a high-paying job, but one that's not emotionally fulfilling or they don't feel as suited to their purpose, their true purpose in life. And so, again, we know that credit and debt plays a role in this um, in many ways. One is that when people have financial obligations, they feel like, okay, I can't quit my job. They might feel called to anything from ministry to mentoring, you know, or starting their own foundation or starting their own business. It could be any number of other paths that a person might choose, but because they're so deep in debt, they feel like their options are limited or that they just can't do what their heart is calling them to do. But even before you get a job, you know, or a potential career, you know, we know that employers are increasingly assessing not 
in specific terms how much debt you have, but they sure are checking your credit rating. In other words, they're checking people's credit reports before they decide on who to hire and whom to promote. If your debt is out of control or if you've had poor credit issues because you haven't paid your debts on time, et cetera, that can cost you a job or career opportunity. And again, you know, people who are disenfranchised and who feel left out of the workforce and a whole bunch of other sort of negative sentiments around not fulfilling or living up to their career potential, those folks are more depressed and more likely to argue with their spouses and, you know, a whole bunch of other things. So even on Does the this tie into the statistic that most heart attacks happen on Mondays? It absolutely does. And just think about what level of stress so many people must be under if we know that. And there's been a number of studies that looked at that that said sort of unequivocally because people are lamenting the fact that oh, it's Monday and I have to get up and go. I really don't want to be up in there. I don't want to be at this job anymore. And they're stressed about it. You know, all of these ways in which in one form or another, debt is killing us. So in the time we have left, what should a person who just recognizes that we've been talking about them during this whole discussion, that, that they see themselves in the mirror, or they see their life being threatened by, by the, the way they're managing or handling or mismanaging or accumulating debt? The first thing I think that people need to do is to stop blaming themselves to the extent that it prevents them from taking positive action. You know, I coach a lot of people and I hear people say all the time, and frankly, most of them are very well educated. They'll say, oh, my God, I have an MBA or I have a degree. How could I have been so stupid? How could I have gotten myself into this financial hole? And they're beating themselves up so bad that sometimes it's preventing them from taking positive action and moving forward. Now, what I know about people who are in debt, and again, having written about this and talking about it and coaching people extensively, I know that. The bottom line is that there's two groups of folks who are deep in debt. The first group are those who were classic money managers who, who, who mismanaged their finances or who were overspenders. And frankly, I was in that category when I was in debt. Um, the second group of consumers, though, who are in debt are those who've fallen into circumstances, what I call the dreaded Ds, downsizing, a divorce, a death in the family of the, you know, the main breadwinner, disability or disease. So anytime one of those five things happens in your life or happens to you directly, it can totally throw your finances out of whack and force you to live on plastic. And of course, those people are going to wind up in debt. So I try to take the judgment and the blame. I do believe in holding yourself accountable. You're not off the hook because at the end of the day, nobody's going to care about your finances more than you do. So you have to say, I need to own this in the end. But Give yourself some leeway, some breathing room. Don't just beat yourself up and say, oh, man, I was so stupid, because that's just going to keep you locked in the past. It's all about looking forward. Once you get past the mental hurdles that can sabotage people's efforts to move forward, then you can just start taking a number of steps that are practical and tactical. Um, you're not going to get out of debt overnight. You didn't get into the problem overnight, and you're not going to get out of debt overnight. But you have to start recognizing how am I going to get out of debt. So first off, uh, you know, don't make minimum payments. That's a trap. It's going to keep you in debt. Um, ideally, of course, you would be paying off your credit card debts every full and month. But you should always, always pay more than the minimums. Um, I like to see people pay two to three times the minimum 
if they can. And if you can't do that, just pay whatever extra you can. If it's $25 a month that you can put on your credit cards, go ahead and put $25. Uh, because minimum payments now in the short run really mean maximum payments in the long run because you're just going to keep paying interest and finance charges and, you know, you're helping the banks to get rich. And I'm sure they're like, great, good customer. But at the end of the day, that's hurting you financially. Um, you can also negotiate with your creditors. There was a study that found 75% of people who called their credit card companies to ask for a lower interest rate got it. And so that could be yours for the asking. And by, you know, of course, lowering that interest rate on your credit cards, you can get out of debt more quickly. Um, you should also use financial windfalls wisely. So, you know, we wrapped up tax season and a lot of folks got or are getting a tax refund check. The IRS says the average tax refund check is about $3,000. That's a good chunk of money that you can use to quickly uh, knock out those, you know, bad debts like credit card bills. And then finally, I think don't suffer in silence. There's really a lot of resources out there for folks who are in debt. There's nonprofit credit counseling agencies. Um, NFCC is a good one, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling. There's debt management plans that you can get into. Um, and certainly you can have uh, help from folks like myself who are financial coaches um, and others, people that will keep you accountable with your credit and debt, give you budgeting advice, and show you how to more quickly eliminate debt. My free financial advice site is askthemoneycoach.com. We have well over 1,600 articles on the site, um, some video content, etc. Chances are if you're struggling with a topic, and certainly in the area of credit and debt, I've written an exhaustive amount uh, on those topics. So the question you might have might be already there on my website, maybe with some resources or links or other information. Visit moneycoachuniversity.com. That's my online digital video-based coaching platform. Everything on social media is, is just the Money Coach, Twitter, you know, Facebook, and et cetera. So in the fall of 2018, we're going to be releasing Bounce Back, the Ultimate Guide to Financial Resilience, and it's all about overcoming financial setbacks. Bounce back, I'm super happy about. I wanted to give people a framework and some advice around how to bounce back more quickly. And we tackle it from three different approaches in terms of the financial aspect, the emotional aspect, and then the uh, sort of tactical or specific um, that they have to take in every situation. So sometimes you need to know your legal rights. Sometimes you need to know about career, and, you know, resources and blah, blah, blah. But the gist of it is that I'm hoping to help people who've been through a lot of what I've been through because, believe it or not, I've suffered seven out of the ten dreaded deeds that I'm going to talk about in uh, Bounce Back. I like to be a living testimony to show people, look, if I could get out of debt, for example, you know my story, Alfred, that I had $100,000 in credit card yes. debt alone back in 2001. And then when I wrote Zero Debt in 2004, I had paid off all my debts. And, uh, you know, this book became a New York Times bestseller. And, you know, in 2017, we put out the third edition of Zero Debt because, unfortunately, the debt problem in America has only gotten worse. But it's also that there's a new crop of people who need to be taught about proper money management, how to manage credit wisely, and how to handle debt. So I'm looking forward to um, getting a copy of Bounce Back both to read for my own edification, but also to recommend as a new addition to the uh, Wealthy Thinking reading list. Thank you for giving up some time, sharing with our audience. We just look forward to having you back on the show soon. 
Thank you so much again. My pleasure. Get more great advice from Lynette Calfani Cox at AskTheMoneyCoach.com. Also, check out MoneyCoachUniversity.com, a free enrollment video-based platform where you can get better educated about money and finances. And if you missed the first parts of my conversation with Calfani Cox, check out Money Matters Wealthy Thinking Podcast 35 and 36. If you have any questions you'd like me to address, Email me at alfredetmidjr at gmail.com and I'll answer them on future editions of the show. That's alfredetmidjr at gmail.com. Or you can follow and direct message me on Instagram or Twitter at alfredetmidjr. This is Alfred Edmund Jr. with Money Matters Wealthy Thinking. Be sure to check out my latest free ebook, Buy Love, Get Trouble, Sell Love, Get Screwed. How Decisions in Pursuit of Sex, Love, and Relationships Impact Your Career, Business, and Financial Success at GrownZone.com forward slash by love, get trouble. And don't forget to subscribe to Money Matters Wealthy Thinking on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, and you know you do, take some time to leave a five-star review. I'm Alfred Edmund Jr. at AURN.com. Thanks for listening. Come back for more next week. Money Matters Wealthy Thinking, a product of American Urban Radio Networks.